Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Mimi Blue and welcome to Human Dialectic. I hope you're doing well. If you're a returning listener, as always, I want to thank you for your support. If you are brand new, I hope that you are somebody who is curious and just wants to get a little bit more details about the puzzle to this entire world and universe because there are a lot of chaotic things going on and it's very hard to understand or to process the information. And I'm obviously love doing this type of stuff because in a complex world, I do realize that you could find simplicity in it. So for today's episode, we're going to talk about the Marvels, I should say the Disney movie, The Eternals. If you are, and I'm giving a disclaimer in advance, looking for commentary or a review about the entire movie, you're not going to find it here. (laughs) You are not going to find it here. And there are many other people or podcasts or, or YouTube channels that will talk about it. What I'm actually going to do is break down all of the symbolism that I saw in the movie, even though I will give a brief Uh, overview or I should say brief overview and a review of the movie but I do think that it's important to know how Hollywood operates because they have a lot of distinct knowledge and for the public masses they're not even aware of what is hitting them so when someone watches a movie they go into uh, this suspended uh, disbelief or at least they are not able to process the information because they're allowing their mind to um, basically put reality in the back seat and think that everything is fantasy when in fact there is truth or little nuggets of truth that are are inserted into the actual script. So that's what I'm going to break down here. So I'm letting you guys know in advance if you want to listen to this great if you don't not but hurt by it, but you know, there are other places where you can get that information. So the Eternals, for those of you who are not familiar with the movie, I by no means am a avid fan of uh, Marvel Comics, but I do think it has been a great franchise for the past couple of years until probably the last <laughs> three years, I guess, uh, especially when Disney bought it out. Though there are some political reasons that everyone wants to bring up, I really do think that Disney just, they bought it and and killed everything that, that that they've touched. Whether it is Marvel Comics or Star Wars, whatever it is, it's just been a disaster. But anyway, back to the Eternals are this uh, advanced race or extraterrestrial uh, race with superpowers and they are sent to Earth to protect the human race on the planet. And though they don't go into much detail, I recognize where that theme is coming from. And in the film, which is what I'm going to focus on, I'm not going to talk about the comics, but in the film, they go through pretty much the timeline of when civilization started on the planet to modern day. Now, I'm going to just jump right into my uh, opinion about the film and then break down what I saw in the trailer and then obviously the film itself. I did not think that the film was that great. Um, Part of that, I think, was due to the the actual plot itself. I didn't think that the storyline was that strong. I think it could have been stronger. I think there was something there. 
but the character development was not that great. Um, it was a little slow. And also I recognize that the director, Chloe Zhao, she does really, really good work when it comes to smaller indie films. But this was her first, what you call it, blockbuster film. And her work just did not translate. I mean, it's two different things. Blockbuster, which is supposed to be um, more of a mass scale versus an indie, which is more of a, a more intimate audience. It just didn't translate. And I'm not saying that Chloe is not a great director. I just know that it, it, it fell flat, especially for a Marvel's movie. It was very underwhelming. But I did like the trailer. Absolutely love the trailer. And that's what we're going to talk about next. Um, I found a lot of interesting things from the trailer, which I wanted to highlight before going into the film. So the trailer itself starts with this ominous song, which is by Skeeter Davis, which is the, I think it's called When the End of the World, or let me get the actual title of the song yes it's it's called end of the world the end of the world and by skeeter and it's by skeeter davis so it starts with this song and it's very uh unusual it's you think it's gonna be a happy moment because it is a sad song traditionally a sad sad song but it uh it was very very strange how they they included that in the film or at least in the trailer in the beginning but it starts with that song and you are seeing oceans and then you begin to see the land and then you see the this, this civilization that is very underdeveloped. I mean, we're talking very primitive times. And then you see a aircraft come through a different dimension. Now, this is important to note because we believe that extraterrestrials or UFOs do not exist, but they actually do. And that's what I'm going to dig deeper into this episode. So this aircraft appears just in out of nowhere through a dimension. And the most important thing to note here is that in one of the scenes, and this is so critical, you see one of the Eternals pass a dagger to the young boy and this is a huge symbol of a more advanced civilization trying to help an underdeveloped civilization. And there have been um, just ideas of Egypt or Atlantis where you see artifacts or uh, images, work, artwork, where the civilization is praying, admiring, um, and sort of praising a set of gods or god-like uh, entities that are more advanced than them. And that is key. If if you don't have that awareness, it it just does not dawn on you what that, that symbol or that scene meant. So when I saw that, I knew that was critical to at least the knowledge that I had, but may have been critical to the plot of the film. The other thing to note is that um, at that time, when you think of the primitive civilization, the only technology or quote unquote technology that they had would have been the um, fire. But 
when you look at the dagger, so the dagger can be used for a variety of, of ways. It could be used as a weapon. It could be used as protection. It could be used for anything. And you also have to pay attention to the material as well. I was trying to do some research as to where uh, this dagger, where if where if it if it was influenced by a different type of dagger and so forth and the only thing that I could find was the fact that it is gold and blue and you need to understand that at that time there were no type like there wasn't equipment to to mine these types of uh, materials so I, I found that to be very fascinating I knew they probably got this dagger from someplace even though we've been told that the wheel was the first thing that primitive civilizations um, developed, I do think that there were other inventions that we're not aware of that may have been possible, but were not uh, communicated to us. The other thing I do want to mention about that scene is in the Bible, and if you are somebody who becomes very sensitive about someone talking about the Bible, well, there's a reason why the society does not want you to learn about the Bible because there are a lot of things that Hollywood takes from the Bible and throws it in your face. So I'm just going to explain in this situation and in this episode where they're taking a lot of um, aspects of the Bible and putting it in their films. So one area in the Bible that was completely removed and is only published separately if you're able to find it is the Book of Enoch. And the Book of Enoch is has been debated as a section of the Bible that explains the human civilization, like where we came from, how we learned technology and so forth. Um, some of the more sacred, um, more uh, not philosophical, but esoteric knowledge that we don't know. And people are still trying to figure it out. But ultimately, let me just keep it short. There were angels that were sent to watch over the humans. And they started teaching humans about magic, about technology, about fire, um, weapons. The list goes on. And the more infamous story about the watchers is the fact that they procreated with women. But I also was rec- I also remembered the fact that in the book of Enoch, the angels were, or I should say the watchers, were the ones that introduced a lot of knowledge to the humans. And humans then became advanced. But they, it's kind of like giving a child the keys to a car. And the child doesn't even understand, when I say child, probably like a 14 or 15 year old, they don't understand the traffic rules. They don't understand the mechanics of a vehicle. They don't understand how to uh, be responsible with the vehicle. You just hand them the keys and then let them go wild. And that's ultimately the analogy with the uh, the watchers and the humans is that humans didn't know what they were doing, went crazy and ended up destroying themselves. Now, another thing about the trailer that I cannot play because of copyright reasons and laws is when Salma Hayek, one of the characters, or I should say one of the actresses in the film, when she's narrating over the trailer, she mentions this. And I quote, We have watched unguided. We have helped them progress and seen them accomplish wonders. Throughout the years, we have never interfered until now. Unquote. 
This is so significant because it explains exactly how our universe works. And I know this seems very out there. I hope you're still around and listening because I now I'm going to definitely go into the details of the film and then how this ties to UFOs, the Galactic Federation, the Pleiadians. I mean, it's, it's all in your face. You just need to have the knowledge. So my overall take on the film was very different. I already gave you my side, my opinion of the movie. But there are many elements to this uh, this actual film that completely surpassed even what I thought. And I know this because, like I mentioned before, Hollywood will drop little nuggets and so forth. So the first scene that we see in the movie is the uh, Eternals praying to some um, odd figure, a deity. And this deity tells the Eternals that it's time for them to to go to Earth. The thing that made me uncomfortable about this particular deity is that it looks very robotic. So I don't know if this was predictive programming saying that we as humans, we are going to be essentially praying to an AI instead of a creator. Yeah, I can see how slick they can be with the conditioning. But that was something that I noticed. The second scene that was really, I wouldn't call it significant, but had some uh, biblical references would be the entry or at least like the aircraft entering into that third dimensional space and then the demons which are called the deviants. Now the funny thing before going into that actual arrival and then the demons the funny thing is that the location is in Babylon so I don't know if anybody caught that But when the Eternals enters into the third dimension or in this actual uh, airspace on on the planet, they are entering into Babylon, which is also in the same exact area or at least like the fighting scene, which would be the third scene which is in Mesopotamia. Now, the reason why this is so significant is that if you are not familiar with the Babylon or Mesopotamia um, history, then it just goes right over your head. You may be familiar with the Tower of Babylon. The Tower of Babylon was this idea that, well, it's not really an idea, but the humans wanted to create a tower that reached the heavens. So there is this hubris that humans have where they could do anything and everything is equivalent to a God. Well, God decided or the creator decided that to pretty much confuse the, uh, the human uh, or humanity, I should say, he decided that he was going to create different languages. So prior to that happening, All of the humans spoke the same language and they all exhibited a sense of pride. When all of a sudden they could not speak to each other, the Tower of Babylon stopped. So you may be familiar with that. Now, when it comes to the city of Babylon, you would know that it's, if you didn't know, it is located in modern day Iraq and its history stretches back to the third millennium uh, BC when it was a small port town on the Euphrates River. Over time, the town would grow and develop into one of the most important cities in ancient Mesopotamia. It was during the 18th century BC that Babylon became a major power in the region under the rule of Amorite king Hammurabi. Now, I'm actually going to talk about Mesopotamia 
ancient Mesopotamia, meaning the land between two rivers, was a vast region that laid between the Tigris and Euphrates river systems. And it is where civilization emerged over 7,000 years ago. The first inhabitants, the Sumerians, established an advanced system in writing, spectacular arts and architecture, astronomy, and mathematics. The Akkadians, I hope I pronounced that correctly, would follow the Sumerians, borrowing from their culture, producing a new language of their own, and creating the world's first empire. So you could see why that historical knowledge is so essential to understanding that. And I recognize that people are not going to the films to observe and study every content. But for me, I was just really excited about this, me being corny, because I recognized what they were doing. And it's also potentially adding confirmation to some of the additional research that I did on some of the government papers that are out there about UFOs, extraterrestrials, and so forth. Now, there were some other small details that were added in the movie. One, um, in the very beginning of the film, when um, they're in London and one of the characters, I am not even going to act like I've remembered all of the, the Eternals names, but she's in an actual school and she walks past a Charles Darwin figurehead which I find funny because if you know Charles Darwin, it's all about survival of the fittest and so forth. So I don't know what type of symbolism is being thrown at the masses there. But I just noticed that there were two distinct scenes that included Charles Darwin. Another thing that I noticed was on the table next to one of the students, there was a crocodile, a reptile. And if you are following my stream of thought here, there is a lot of um, theories about reptilians and I've noticed that the sign of a crocodile may also mean something else but I found that very very interesting that it was put in that scene and you have to remember every single scene is included everything is edited for a reason and that scene needed to be shown in the film. Now, the final scene is actually related to technology. So I already discussed about the dagger being passed to an underdeveloped civilization. But if you remember one of the characters who was responsible for inventions, he had uh, given humans the ability to, well, we don't know, but we can assume that he gave them the ability to make the atomic bomb. And the atomic bomb has been a very contentious uh, conversation, at least those in the scientific and historical uh, communities, because for those who dig deep into government white papers, they realize that after humans started playing with the atomic bomb, and I say playing because we really didn't know what we were doing and what effects it was having to other dimensions or other uh, galaxies, that's when you started to see an increase in the number of UFO presence on this planet, or at least sightings and so forth. I know there's been a lot of articles about um, UFOs over nuclear plants and shutting nuclear plants down. So that is uh, something that I thought was very fascinating being in the actual film. 
Now, let me just dive right in then, moving away from the Eternals and getting into the meat and the argument as to why I think this is significant and Hollywood tells truth sometimes. So before we could actually talk about the Galactic Federation and UFOs, we need to understand Disney, or at least Walt Disney. So we know Disney had a film that came out recently called Soul. Now, rather than me trying to paraphrase it, because I didn't see it, I'm not willing to pay Disney any money. I'm just going to read an article that gives a great synopsis on the actual film itself. So this is called Disney Pixar Soul, how the movie makers took Plato's view of existence and added a modern twist. This is by Lydia Schumacher and Johannes Zuckerberg. Ideas about the soul have been powerful throughout the history of religion and philosophy. Until the 19th century, most people took the existence of souls for granted. With the rise of modern psychology, this belief lost its plausibility, and today it is largely absent from academic, philosophical, and even theological writing. Many now deny the existence of a soul, considering human emotions and motives simply a function of neurons firing. Disney Pixar's new film, Soul, seems to go against the grain of this development. It presents its viewers with two realms of being. The first is the realm of human activity where life occurs. The second realm is of the soul where life has yet to begin. The great before and where it ends, the great beyond. In their conception of the soul, the producers hark back to some of the most influential ideas of Western intellectual history, but in an unmistakable 21st century way. Though I could probably read the rest of this article, I'm not going to spend that rest of the time doing it. If you want to go ahead and read that article, I think it it solidifies the fact that the Disney Corporation, they are very knowledgeable about this. I know some of you are thinking, well, Walt Disney, or at least the Disney Corporation is in the business of just making films. It doesn't have to be factual unless it's a documentary and so forth. But I do believe with my research, and you can do your research as well, that the corporation, especially the executives, are very aware of the fact that we are soul beings. And what can I tie that to? Well, Walt Disney himself was a Freemason, 33rd degree Freemason. He worked very closely with the CIA. And actually, I think Walt Disney was one of the very first corporations to have that type of integrated relationship with a government uh, body. And that is why there is truth to the story about how people didn't even know, not even the state of Florida, knew that Walt Disney was working with the government because people were wondering who is buying all this land and what are they doing? And Lo and behold, it was Walt Disney, but that couldn't have been possible without, let's just say, external help. And we also know that Walt Disney was um, part of the elite in some way. He has a bloodline. So he knows enough to, to know who we are and what we are about, even though the man is dead and he is not alive to see this movie today. We recognize that knowledge is passed from one generation to the next, or you may have people who are able to acquire this knowledge through getting into specific societies or obtaining occult knowledge. 
And that actually leads to this idea of UFOs. So there, there's two different terms, UFOs and extraterrestrials. UFOs are just unidentified flying objects. And I think now government is using a different term, which I'm not going to try and figure out what that is. But those are UFOs, just aircrafts that are not your typical aircrafts. And then you have extraterrestrial uh, species or beings. They could be from a different civilization in a different galaxy or universe, or they could be interdimensional. And they're two different things, technically speaking. I could not find enough information as to how they are different. Could a civilization that is in a different galaxy come through a different dimension? Or are they only able to transport themselves in one way? And if you are an interdimensional entity, do you only come through the dimensions and so forth? So I still don't know the answer to that. But I just know for a fact that there are two different types of extraterrestrial um, beings, one that is interdimensional, and then one that will just come from a different universe, galaxy, and so forth. Now, there are many, many government papers that allude to this idea that the UFOs do exist. We know Donald Trump signed a coronavirus bill that actually had a little note about releasing documents to the public that it would be 180 days from the time that the document was signed. The public would need, or at least the CIA would need to release any unclassified information about the UFOs. I don't know if it was unclassified, but ultimately there needed to be information submitted to the public. So it's in the black vault. The only thing with the so-called 3000 pages of documents, it doesn't really provide a lot of detail, at least if you're somebody who's really knowledgeable about this. You do know that there have been many objects identified. We also know that the government also has interests in reverse engineering technology that they find that is not native to this planet. That's something that they would not disclose, but we have many whistleblowers who have mentioned how the government likes to reverse engineer and ultimately be owners of this new technology because it's so foreign, but yet so powerful. Now, there is speculation as to why the government is now trying to release information about UFOs in in this time, during this time, I should say. It's a slow drip drip and a lot of speculation about the possibility that there could be some type of interaction with uh, extra extraterrestrial uh, beings in the near future. And so the idea of getting the public ready has been a theory, but I recognize that a lot of people are still in the dark about UFOs or extraterrestrial beings to begin with. Now we do know as well, that Eisenhower had a very famous speech, or I should say infamous speech, where he mentioned to the public to be aware of the military-industrial complex. 
And what does the military industrial complex have to do with all of this? Like, what do they have to do with Disney and so forth, the Eternals? Well, the military industrial complex has a very, very keen interest in UFOs and extraterrestrials. And I recognize that the government retains or conceals a lot of information from the public because imagine how we treat each other. If if someone is entirely different, it shocks us. We are not used to different. So if we are told about beings or UFOs that are not even human, then it would cause a complete meltdown, not just in the society, but all over the world. But the military industrial complex, they're not operating on the basis of protecting us. They're actually operating against our needs. And Eisenhower made that famous speech because he made a very big mistake during his term. He ultimately, at least this is what the story is, and some people have been able to corroborate this, he made a deal with a set of alien species, some of them being the greys. And in that deal, he mentioned, or at least agreed to the fact that in exchange for technology, we, or I should say the government, would provide the alien species some humans. So I think the number was 100 humans, or I should say 100 Americans a year would be abducted for research purposes or whatever the purpose was. And in exchange, the American government would get technology. Well, that actually didn't happen. And I don't know why anyone thought that that would be a great deal. But you can already bet who had the short end of the stick. So Eisenhower came forward about that because he knew he effed up. And he knew where the military industrial complex was going. And that's to also say that the military industrial complex was not being run by the president. It was essentially its own rogue agency, which he had no control over. We also know that Ronald Reagan had mentioned about the possibility of UFOs. We have seen documents where Jimmy Carter came into office or prior to going into office, he'd mentioned that he wanted to get information about UFOs. We know that happened with Nixon and it just, the list keeps going and going. The very interesting thing is to date, there have only been three presidents who have not really been concerned about UFOs. And that would be George Bush Sr., George Bush Jr. and Barack Obama. Very, very interesting. I wonder if there are some ties with that. But we also know that uh, Bush Sr. was the director of the CIA. And we already know who or what agency has the ownership of the UFO documentation. Finally, we also recognize that philosophers like Plato and Aristotle um, knew about extraterrestrials because they wrote about it. And we also recognize that Socrates informed both Plato and Aristotle, and he received his information as well from somebody else who interacted with um, possibly some extraterrestrials. 
So we know that there is a strong possibility that these beings exist. And one question you might be asking is, are these extraterrestrials good or bad? Well, I mean, it depends on the species. You you know, the Pleiadians, who I'm going to talk about shortly, generally speaking, appear to be good. But there are some rogue ones, which is why you want to be very cautious about it. But why do extraterrestrials find humans so interesting is another question. There are a couple theories, but I've boiled it down to three things and I find fascinating, but also quite scary. One of them is our DNA. Our DNA is very unique. It is, I don't want to say malleable, but we are able to create hybrids with other species. Very, very scary, but it's interesting to know that our DNA has that type of power. Our second The second thing is actually related to our link to the source. Now, whether you are an atheist, agnostic, a believer, it really, at the end of the day, really doesn't matter because when you pass, you do have a soul and you will not really ever die. Your physical body will die, but you are always linked to the source, which leads me to my third reason why I think a lot of these extraterrestrials are fascinated with us, is our energy. We are able to produce energy. We are a universe of energy, of vibrations, of frequencies. And we, this is going to sound very, very sick, are essentially a source of energy to other species. And it can be used in a good or bad way. Typically, if the species is good, they are not going to do anything. But if it is a bad species, well, you can imagine what they could possibly do with us. But that's just what I know. And I just recognize that they have a tremendous amount of power. They, just like the scenes in the film where... There was one Eternal who was able to uh, control the minds of human beings. We know that people who've been abducted or those who've had interactions or encounters with um, aliens, they mentioned not having control of their body. They were still conscious. They were still thinking, but they could not move their body. And that was actually exemplified in the film. We also know that there's this idea of portals, which in the Stranger Things, the Netflix series, the very first season and second season talk about actual events where there were portals. And that is actually something that did happen. I just can't find the actual uh, white paper, but I recognize that it is something that did exist in in probably isolated events. But Stranger Things took those elements and added it into the actual narrative. So now we get to the meat of it. So who do the Eternals represent or even reflect? To begin answering that question, we need to ask who are the Pleiadians, I keep butchering their name, and what is the Galactic Federation? The Pleiadians are a collective of extraterrestrials from the star system, the Pleiades, The Pleiadian culture is ancient and was, quote, 
seeded, unquote, from another universe of love long before Earth was created. They formed a tremendous society which operates with love, with ideas and ideals that we are yet unfamiliar with. The Pleiadians call themselves our, which is the humans, ancient family, because many of us came from the Pleiades to participate in the new experiment of Earth. And I'm going to pause there. There was a lot to unpack. This new experiment is the human experiment, which goes back to what I explained earlier in the episode about this whole idea of the soul. We don't necessarily die. We are an energy form. So we are physically on this planet trying to release some karma that we've had or just trying to have an experience. I don't know why anyone would want to be here with all the chaos, but we're all here. The Pleiadians are now here as ambassadors from another universe to help Earth through her difficult transition from the third dimension to the fourth dimension and to assist each of us in our personal endeavors of awakening, remembering, and knowing. Now, this should be very familiar if you watched the movie because the Eternals are sent to the planet to help humanity advance to the next dimension. So if you didn't catch that in the storyline, what I just explained about the Pleiadians is essentially what is happening in the film. So there are definite parallels. Now, it is possible that the Eternals are based on the gods, the uh, mythological gods, um, or I should say like in Greek mythology, that there are certain aspects of the Eternals that is a reflection of the Greek gods. But there's also um, some speculation or at least some theories that the Greek gods themselves, when you look at Greek history, those gods were also a reflection of an extraterrestrial species that helped advance that civilization. Now, when it comes to the Galactic Federation, I do want to mention something about a an Israeli um, space security chief, a former one, who mentioned last year in December about the Galactic Federation. And I'm just going to read the article um, that was on NBC News. And it's funny how they tailored a lot of these articles because it was very objective. They stated what he said. I didn't read a lot of articles that tried to refute what he was saying, but it did raise a lot of questions. A former Israeli space security chief has sent eyebrows shooting heavenward by saying that Earthlings have been in contact with extraterrestrials from a, quote, galactic federation, unquote. And this is what he states, quote, The unidentified flying objects have asked not to publish that they are here. Humanity is not ready yet, quote, states uh, Hayam Eshed a former head of Israeli's Defense Ministry's Space Directorate, told Israeli's, uh, butchering names here, Yediat Aharonat newspaper. The interview in Hebrew ran on Friday and gained traction after parts were published in English by the Jerusalem, Jerusalem Post on Tuesday. The former chief said, 
cooperation agreements had been signed between species, including an underground base in the depth of Mars, where there are American astronauts and alien representatives. There is an agreement, he states, between the U.S. government and the aliens. They signed a contract with us to do experiments here. The former chief also added that President Donald Trump was aware of the extraterrestrial's existence and has been on the verge of revealing information, but was asked not to in order to prevent mass hysteria. They have been waiting until today for humanity to develop and reach a stage where we will understand in general what space and spaceships are, as Shedd said, referring to the Galactic Federation. Now, it's very possible that people will say this is misinformation, this is psychological warfare, or it's a psyop. And you know what? It is possible. I'm not going to sit here and say that what he said is definitive. He is a very top level um, security chief. But at the same time, I question why that was even mentioned and why it was allowed to be published Uh, But at the same time, I did not see a lot of media traction about it when that was published in English. So is there evidence to what he is saying? Well, he is essentially saying what I just said about disagreements with alien species, that there is experimentation going on. What he didn't mention was the experiments that that may potentially be done on humans. But I mean, that will cause even greater hysteria. But he said almost exactly everything that I said. And I was looking at different resources and he was working within this intelligence community. We don't know. But all I could say is that is what he had mentioned. Now, the Galactic Federation is a little bit more complicated I thought that there was one Galactic Federation, and in fact, there are many. So I'm just probably going to read a couple of them. But ultimately, what is the purpose of a council or federation? They have slightly different purposes, and I may not be able or be in a position to actually describe the differences. But I do know that there are is a federation and a council in our solar system, in our galaxy. I don't know how many, but I recognize that there are different types of federations and and councils. I think the Galactic Federation is in our Milky Way uh, solar system. And the various other councils and and federations, I'm not entirely sure (laughs) What it is, but I know that we, the the Galactic Federation that I'm referring to is called the Galactic Federation of Light. I know there is the Council of Nine, the Ashtar Command, the Allies of Humanity, the Greater Community, the Galactic Federation of Planets, the Council of Twelve, the Council of Twenty-Four, the Guardian Alliance, that should ring a bell. Does that not sound like the Guardians of the Galaxy? I mean... These are where the parallels are. And this is why I find DC Comics and probably Marvel Comics as well more uh, entertaining because I know they're taking elements of this information and putting it into Hollywood. So they're really, 
I guess, in business, in, in their words, trying to ensure that there's stability and balance in the universe. And if you want me to align that to any films, think of Captain America, Guardians of the Galaxy, The Eternals being an example, pretty much anything in the Marvel franchise, that is ultimately what is happening. And you you guys don't even realize it. And this is why I find this topic so fascinating. Some people are going to find it crazy, but I do believe that we are generation, or at least we're at a time where people are beginning to accept this information. I'm not sure if it's just due to changing opinions or uh, people recognizing that there's more to us than this flesh, but you can see the parallels and you can see that there's commonalities with fiction and, and reality or nonfiction. Now, one final thing I do want to mention about the Pleiadians is that I don't want to be the person to have to try and convince you. I'm not here to convince you. I'm just here to state what I know. There is a man called Travis Walton, and he is one of the more known abductees. And he has come out or he he has been out for many, many years and telling his story. And recently he talked to Joe Rogan on his podcast this past January. And it was a very interesting interview. But to add more evidence to the fact that it is there can potentially be another human species that's more advanced than us and are extraterrestrial, he describes his experience when he was abducted and he did um, wake up in an aircraft and found three actual, uh, we'll, we'll call them little aliens with the, the, the big heads and the big eyes and so forth. And he was very frantic, scared at that situation. And they disappear into the back. Now, he does wonder if, in fact, who he encountered with was a human or synthetic, but I want you to listen to how he describes this so-called being. So you you said you felt like you were suffocating. You felt like they were trying to soothe you and calm you down, but it wasn't working. Yeah, I was definitely not going to cooperate with them. But what 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 was the feeling like? You said the, there was it was jumbled, like they were they were trying to send you a message, but it was jumbled. Yeah, I was having trouble focusing my brain. I, I felt uh, not fully awake, but this fear was this adrenaline was driving uh, a very awakened feeling. But I wasn't thinking clearly at all. But what makes you feel like they were trying to communicate with you or trying to calm you down? That's just. Uh, what I think about, you know, years of meditating on what my impression was at the time, it was total fear, total feeling of, of being threatened. And uh, um, I think that's the reason this entity came in that looked human. Now, How, how human? Uh, pretty, pretty human. You'd pass like, in a crowd. Like me, you know? like yeah. a normal human. Yeah. And I think that they come up with this. Now, they knew I wasn't going to trust them. And if they didn't get something or someone that I would trust, that, I'd, that I would die. So they enlisted the help of 
the hell? It could be uh, uh, that there are human-like species visiting. I believe there's quite a variety of species of aliens. Um, or perhaps they came up with some artificial human-looking creation that would I would trust uh, and how take much time, me out of the craft. How much time had passed between you lashing out, them trying to calm you down, and this human-like creature coming into the room? Uh, it was just, I was just trying to find a way out, and he came in, and I assumed he was human. How much time had passed? Just minutes. Minutes. And uh, when he wanted me to go with him. To, what did he look like? He, uh, he looked like somebody I would trust, right? <laughs> was he dressed? How was he dressed? He was, he was wearing a blue uniform, top and bottom. Uh, a uniform like? It looked like a uniform. Maybe it was just blue clothing, you know, but there was no insignia, no, uh, you know, flags or anything like, like a, that. Like a hospital gown, like a surgeon's outfit? It was outfit. more tight-fitting. He was extremely uh, strong-looking. So he looked like a, like an athletic human being. Yeah. And what I was a pretty athletic person at the time, and maybe that's what it took in case I was combative with him. Did he have hair? Yes, long, uh, kind of long, longish hair. Like a hippie. <laughs> Probably <laughs> a lot long, longer than mine. But uh, What color was his hair? Uh, it was a light color. It wasn't blonde, but it was a, a light, real light brown. So know. it could have passed for a human being. He could walk through a crowd and nobody would uh, raise an eyebrow. And that was probably the intent. Now, whether it was synthetic or there's species out there that look like us, uh, I don't know. So that was Travis Walton describing his experience when he was abducted and encountered a species to his shock that looked human. We don't know if they were human, but again, looked very human so much that this being could pass uh, as a human on our planet. I find this entire topic fascinating because it really is a a black vault we are not being exposed to who we really are are we alone which I, I do obviously believe the answer is no and who else is out there how many species have the government government been or <laughs> backtrack how many species has the government been in contact with and we are not aware I just, I really don't know what else to to say about it, but watching The Eternals just brought back all of, of, of this knowledge that I have acquired. And I knew it was getting a bad rap because people were looking for action. People were looking for it to be another blockbuster, but it goes to show you how many people are not aware of this information. And that's why I look at it from a different angle. It was not a great movie, but I recognize that it was taking many elements and concepts from our history books, or at least like the history that has not been publicized to the general public or from government papers. And it is essentially providing more of an argument that there are extraterrestrials don't want to call them UFOs. There are extraterrestrials that exist and there are good extraterrestrials and there are bad ones. And 
trust me, you don't want to engage with the bad ones because they're not out there to uh, help you out. But it also brings the idea of the Project Blue Beam. And if you're not familiar with that, that is a so-called operation where the government wanted to deploy a uh, fake alien invasion. And maybe we are entering the time where we're going to see that. And what Hollywood has done, especially when I saw Travis Walton's, or at least he wasn't directing or informing the director, the producers of how to actually construct the script or at least provide his uh, insight. But Hollywood is programming us to be frightful of these species. Again, we don't know who is good or who is bad, but we are being conditioned, especially when I saw it in the movie Fire in the Sky, that these aliens are here to kill us all. Every single one of them, they're here to kill us and to do harm to us. And I believe that that is actually a small subset. The majority of the species do want to help us. They do want to advance our civilization, advance us to the next dimension, but we need help. And I do believe that though we are responsible for our actions and what we do here on this planet, we are receiving help. They're not appearing. And the one final question that I know that people are going to ask is why won't they just appear? Why don't they just show up and end all of this? Well, part of it is because you are going through a human experience and you have to develop or learn certain lessons while you're here. The most important thing is understanding the universal laws. And one of the laws that a lot of good species abide by is the law of non-intervention or interference. This law concerns the individual rights of people in society situations to serve self rather than live in the vibration of service to others. This law prevents physical beings and non-physical beings from intervening or correcting what they see as wrong or harmful. If this law is violated, there is great karma incurring. Another aspect of this law is that spirit is not permitted to channel material to a recipient that would force a change in the evolution of the person. And that was also mentioned in the Eternals, how they watched unguided and they didn't interfere until now. So there will be a point where the benign species or beings will interfere because things become so chaotic here where the humans need help. But as of right now, they're just chilling on the outside and they're watching us until they get the green light. So that's why I find The Eternals to be such a fascinating movie because I can explain it in ways or at least articulate it and align it to entertainment and people can can see the parallels and see where information is being extracted from. But there might be people at the end of this episode who will not believe it and that's entirely fine. I will respect your decision, but I do hope that you can do the research and and understand that you are more than just a physical body. And I don't have to go into more detail to try and convince you, but I've laid everything out here to present to you and to hopefully give you a different look at the movie and the world around you. 
Well, thank you. This was a long one. And I hope you are able to have some takeaways from this. And I will talk to you on another episode.